Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit TVO.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. Last week, officials in Belleville declared a state of emergency after paramedics responded to 23 drug overdoses in a span of just two days. It's another deadly chapter in the ongoing opioids crisis in the province and country. With us now for their insight in Belleville on the north shore of the Bay of Quinte in eastern Ontario, there's Jennifer Cormier. She's executive director of the John Howard Society of Belleville. And here in our studio, Dr. Carolyn Snyder, emergency physician at Unity Health Toronto. Dr. Snyder, good to have you back here at TVO. And Jennifer Cormier, nice to have you on the line there from Belleville. Uh, we did want to start with the Belleville story because it is so shocking. 17 overdose cases in a span of 24 hours, 13 of them within an hour and a half of one another. Jennifer, can you tell us what is the leading cause behind the current spike that's happening in your city? The leading cause is that the drug supply is tainted. Um, and so this is a, a systemic problem. Um, the systems need to communicate with one another, but the reality of the problem is, is that everyone is just stretched so thin and has been for so long um, that with these types of increases, we just can't keep up anymore. You say tainted, tainted how and why and by whom? So I don't, I don't know that yet. I know that uh, we have amazing um, officers right now on the streets that are trying to figure that out, the why with the what um, and by who. Uh, but it is something that has um, come in contact with the homeless population. And uh, as we know, with, with homelessness, uh, there tends to be the connection with substance use. And so that is the community that has been highly impacted. Okay, Carolyn, we need to know more about this, this toxic drug supply. First of all, can you help us with any of where we left off there? By whom, why, how, etc.? So most of the people, over 90% of the people who have an overdose uh, with drugs uh, are getting their drugs from an unregulated source. So we use the term drug dealers or somebody from the street. And we know that a very large proportion of those drugs aren't the pure form that they are expecting. Uh, so for example, in fentanyl, which is a common reason people overdose, over 50% uh, of those will uh, actually be tainted or contaminated with, a, or mixed, I should say, with another, another kind of opiate that's much higher potency. Another 50% or uh, of those will have a benzodiazepine. And actually, currently, in Toronto at least, 25% of the, the drugs that people think are fentanyl actually have a horse tranquilizer in them right now. Which makes them what? So, so what happens is when we see this in the emergency department, we see that uh, the uh, patient's heart rate goes down, their blood pressure goes down, and their respiratory rate goes down, which is incredibly dangerous. That's a similar effect as fentanyl alone, but with fentanyl, bystanders or EMS can give them Narcan. In a toxic drug like this, we don't always have anything that we can reverse that with. And so it's an incredibly dangerous 
situation right now. Jennifer, this may be an incredibly stupid question, but it wouldn't be the first time I've asked an incredibly stupid question. If, if drug dealers are passing along toxic drugs to their customers, uh, presumably that's not good for business. Why don't they care about killing the golden goose that is laying the golden eggs that is making them money? I don't have the answer to that. I, I totally agree. I think it's a question that we've all been asking. I also think that possibly this could be um, trying this out, uh, trying to see if the potency is is at a deadly rate or if it's something that can be tolerated um, and therefore sold for for higher amounts of money um, on a population that is vulnerable and unable to protect itself. I don't mean this as an insult, but even as I talk to you now, you kind of sound overwhelmed and exhausted by the whole thing. How are you holding up? Um, we are. We're tired. Um, all of us. Not not so much just myself i mean the frontline teams you know we're 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 tired across the board this is something that's affected our emergency responders our police officers our um community supports um from fire to ems uh and then into our social service agencies and we're already all running on such small budgets um and we're we're very thin on the front line as it is that not one of us is, is willing to give up and go home. We all want to make sure that everyone's safe at the end of the day. So, you know, we put in that extra time to protect as many people as we can. But it's I guess, exhausting. I guess I should ask you the same thing, which is how much of this are you seeing in your de emergency departments? And is it overwhelming the staff there? Yes, it's overwhelming. And we work very closely with our paramedic colleagues and our colleagues in the community in Toronto. But I would say that this is an issue across Ontario uh, and all of my emergency department colleagues and, and, and colleagues in the community like Jennifer are feeling overwhelmed. And are you seeing so many patients because people are accidentally overdosing or because they're taking toxic drugs? I, I would uh, suggest that uh, unintentional or accidental overdose, um, nobody I know when I see them in the emergency department intentionally overdose. So they're all accidental, they're all unintentional, but their intention is to take something that they think they know, but it's often uh, contaminated with one of these other drugs, which causes them to end up needing emergency department care. And so what we're seeing in the emergency department is increased volume at times, like right now, uh, of people with overdoses. We're seeing patients that take a lot longer to clear from that overdose. Uh, just last week, I had a patient that had been in our department for over 18 hours. Uh, we're therefore also seeing longer waits with our ambulance colleagues. So the paramedics will bring a patient into the departments and, and emergency departments across uh, Canada and especially Ontario are are so blocked right now for so many different reasons that we often don't have a place to put that person into a resuscitation room or an acute care monitored room. And so they stay on stretchers with ambulance uh, paramedics in our hallways as they wait. It's, 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 it is really a crisis right now. And, and emergency departments are just one of many groups feeling it. Jennifer, have you, or I guess I should ask you, uh, how much staff turnover do you have as a result of the inundation that you're dealing with right now? Staff turnover, I would say I have the most incredible staff ever. I'm sure everybody thinks that, but I really do. Uh, the staff turnover rate is low, um, but the sick 
time is definitely up. People are tired. Um, they have to they have to step away for a little while to regroup and recover. And and so you know that is the part that we're seeing that more of that sick time and. Oh, I think we got a little technical situation here. So let's move on then. Sheldon, going to go to the top of page three here because the spike in Belleville has prompted its mayor, Neil Ellis, to issue this urgent plea. And I'll read this for those listening on podcast. We as a city know that we are at the point where doing our best doesn't cut it anymore. Our emergency services, healthcare system, and municipal resources are being stretched to the very limits, and we are close to a breaking point. We need serious action and support from senior level government to deal with this crisis. And until we begin to see meaningful discussions on how to address the matter, I fear nothing will change. That is why we are calling on the province and federal government for support. I urge our local municipal partners facing the same issues to do the same. Okay, how would you, Carolyn, let's start with you. How would you assess the contribution the provincial government has currently made to alleviating the situation? I think that we have to be careful of just making this one government's issue. The idea that healthcare and addiction and mental health are just healthcare and just a provincial issue is something we have to get over. The siloing of healthcare as as just a, a provincial issue is an issue. So it's all hands on deck. It basically. is all hands okay. on deck. Uh, homelessness and shelter uh, support is a municipal issue. Uh, the addictions, mental health, healthcare, and is both a provincial and a federal issue. And we often see them passing the buck to each other at the detriment of our of our citizens. So they are not the the different orders of government are not working well together that you can see in order to make progress. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's exactly right. I think that in Toronto, we've seen a, a, a change in the last year with, with uh, Mayor Olivia Chow. I think that she's been working more closely and we've seen those announcements more recently where there is definitely some, some movement towards some improvement in these areas. But, but we are still at such an overwhelming level of need that far, far more needs to happen at all three levels of government. And uh, I think it's important when, when uh, I speak as an emergency physician, as an Ontarian, to recognize that's not the case in all counties and in all, in all, and in all areas of Ontario. We have a, a, very, uh, a very big hill to climb, hmm. mountain. Okay. Not a hill, a mountain. Mountain to gotcha. climb on this. Yeah. Jennifer, how about you? In your experience, the different orders of government, how well or not are they working together? to make some progress here? I would agree. I don't think they're working together very well at all. Um, and I think that we're starting to see these systems break down because of that. Um, we were very fortunate that we had a mayor that got behind us and said, you know, I see what's going on and I'm not going to be afraid to speak out about it. I'm going to do something about it instead of, you know, just, just telling you that it'll get better in time. And we were really, really fortunate for that because he really did step up when we needed him to step up. And I think the government on all levels needs to do the same. Okay, safe consumption sites, Carolyn. Do we have those in Toronto? Yeah, we have about 10 in Toronto right now. Uh, and about five of them are actually in the, in the area near St. Michael's Hospital where I work. Uh, and uh, they're incredibly important for saving lives. How come? 
Because uh, we've talked a lot about the toxic drug supply, and I said nobody I know uh, that we see in our emergency departments intentionally overdose. And they want to use, when they're using drugs, they want to use them safely. And so a safe consumption site allows them to come in and do it in a supervised manner. And should they be taking a drug that actually has one of the toxic uh, additions to it, then they can be uh, cared for by people who are trained. And they are also there supported by peer outreach workers and a community where they can uh, ensure that the right resources are in place to help people who are managing addictions. Jennifer, do we have any sites in Belleville? We don't. We have zero sites in Belleville. Do you need some? Absolutely, we do. <laughs> um, I mean, that's definitely something that we would push for. Um, what we've been told in the past is that there's there's quite a bit of red tape to get through to um, be able to, ha to have a site. Um, but I think a lot of our, our immediate issue would be solved um, with that type of support in place. I'm sure there are people watching us or listening to us right now who think that if you have safe injection sites that are administered the way that Carolyn just described them, you are still enabling dangerous and harmful behavior. What would you say to those folks? People use for all types of different reasons um, and they're going to use regardless of what people think of that. And so if, at least if they're using in a place where it's safe and um, they have support to help them, it's better than using on the street where people are they're dying. Um, right now, you know, we have staff constantly out checking on on our guests uh, just to make sure everybody's okay. Um, but that's an added stressor on the staff to be constantly vigilant, um, making sure our citizens are okay. Okay. I saw you nodding your head during that answer, so I'm not going to ask you. I have more to contribute to that, though. Well, okay, if you, you want to, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So over 90% of people who die from an overdose die at home. And I think that's really important for Ontarians to know. Unsupervised, in other Unsupervised. Words. They don't want to die. They are dying because they're using drugs in a place where they're not together with others. The other important piece is that there have been, just this month, the Ontario HIV Network did a systematic review, a review of systematic reviews, I should say, and, and on all different levels of concern. Does it uh, make it less safe near a uh, uh, safe consumption site for the public. It, it, it doesn't. Uh, we we uh, look at um, improved safety for the individual, for the community. All of those point to the importance of safe consumption sites. In Alberta, they last year did a look at uh, does it increase or decrease emergency department visits and deaths? And when cities have safe consumption sites, it actually decreases the emergency department visits. It decreases the death. And they even looked at, well, what about compared to some of the cities where they're using uh, Narcan only, like trying to distribute more Narcan? And those places didn't see the decrease, in fact, saw a bit of an increase, just probably likely to the increase in actual use of drugs in some of those. What I think our governments need to do, and right now Ontario government has put a halt on uh, review, or is reviewing the safe consumption sites, is they need more of them. I'm gonna finish on this question here. There's every likelihood, Jennifer, that uh, somebody from Health Minister Jones or Mental Health and Addictions Minister Tobolo's offices are watching this or reading an account of it after the fact. So 
give them some advice. What do you want them to do? I need them to step up. <laughs> what does that mean? I, though? I need them to do it. I need, we need supports. All of us need the supports and the resources in place to do our jobs. And, uh, and that requires the funding to do them. Um, and like I said, we don't need the funding three months from now. We need the funding now um, in order to be able to effectively address what's happening in our community. Carolyn, what would you add to that? Uh, I would add, um, moving forward with safe consumption sites, I would uh, add that uh, we need to make sure that we're funding the outreach workers and the support workers, both out in the community, um, but also in our emergency departments in order to manage this crisis right now. We are currently using at, at our hospital multiple outreach workers who are funded by donors as opposed to our as opposed to our governments, and yet they are our most critical human resource in helping us manage this. And so we really need to start understanding and moving from this idea of nice to have outreach workers and support workers on the front lines in our communities and our hospitals and other areas like this to realizing they are an essential part of the social care network that we provide to Ontarians. Well, I thank both of you for coming into TVO tonight, both virtually and actually, to share your expertise on this issue. Jennifer Cormier from the John Howard Society of Belleville and Dr. Carolyn Snyder, ER physician. Unity Health Toronto. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is made possible through generous philanthropic contributions from viewers like you. Thank you for supporting TVO's journalism.